You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Sharing Socks on Southside Socks, the first edition after the 2021 National Baseball Hall of Fame vote that just occurred on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday. I'm Lee Allen, the duty geezer at Southside Socks, and with me, our West Coast correspondent, my son, Will. I sit amongst uh, the cold and snow. He sits amongst the warmth of Los Angeles, but we both sit I think pretty happy with the fact that Mark Burley, whose shirt I am not wearing because it's short sleeve and it's too damn cold here, <laughs> but uh, that Mark Burley got 11% of the vote in his first shot at the uh, Hall of Famer. Doesn't mean he's going into the Hall of Fame by any means or that he'll even come close, uh, at least in the regular voting. But uh, I think it's nice. I think it's a good thing. He's tops in his class. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I don't think Burley's going to end up in the Hall of Fame, but it was a great start. Uh, and just nice to see that kind of support, even from 11% on the, on his first attempt. Uh, my guess would be plateaus around the 25 30% mark at some point. Um, but it's still, you know, a good showing. I should also point out that the Southside Sox, uh, we do our own Hall of Fame voting and we also did not select anyone this year so this was just a a bum year both in mock and in uh the real deal uh unfortunately um speaking of bums uh <laughs> yeah uh, i would like to mock the bum that is kurt Schilling, um who did not make it he came the closest what do you have 71 70 point something yeah yeah 16 votes shy uh from what i read and then 
uh, has elected to take himself off the ballot next year, even though no one asked. No one asked at all. Uh, it seems to be that Kurt Schilling tends to only offer his thoughts on things when nobody asks. Uh, but he solidified himself as a whiny piece of crap. Um, and I think uh, despite how they voted uh, before we knew he liked treason, um, and now you add in the treason, but more importantly, this little this little act of, of childish behavior. Uh, I think Kurt Schilling is not going to be in the Hall of Fame at any point, whether it's now or uh, with the, the veterans vote. Because and what a, what a crying shame. And speaking yeah. of, of, of whiny and uh, so forth and so on, the uh, adverb uh, adjectives you used, as uh, Brett Valentini pointed out in his column about the Hall of Fame voting, Nick Swisher got zero. <laughs> Nick Swisher actually uh, exactly matched what I expected. Um, <laughs> kind of what I've always expected of Nick Swisher. Um, Nick Swisher is... I think that a, was his batting average with the Sox too, actually. It wasn't that high. I think, uh, I think his batting average was actually below zero. Um, no, I am uh, thrilled to see that he has got the traction he deserves. Um, that's just a, a, a technical thing to even have him on the ballot that one's just kind of goofy um it'll be really interesting to see what happens next year with bonds and clemens uh i don't anticipate either of them making it in since they they stayed still uh in their voting this year and then kurt schilling's little pouty thing um we'll see what kind of effect that has uh but you know i i actually don't know who's even going to get in next year it's it's not looking good Um, yeah, it could be. Well, of course, next year, new people will be coming along to uh, get in on the crowd. Uh, meanwhile, for things happening this year or this, this season, um, we don't know when it's going to start really now because the Cactus League has asked that uh, spring training be pushed back a couple of weeks. Right. The Players Association says the Cactus League is just the tool of Major League Baseball that indicated, yeah, that's true. And that's just the owners trying to pay the players less, I think less during a period where they know they're not going to have anybody in the stands or outside of maybe Florida and Texas, they're not going to have anybody in the stands because those people don't have governments. Um, <laughs> and it could go. It, it, they, they start two weeks late and shorten it up a little bit. I think that'll only happen if the owners agree to pay the players their full salary, which they won't do, if they, you know, it's, it's all the, the, the arguments that go back and forth and the owners trying to screw the players as best they can and crying poor and on their multi-billion dollar properties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the other thing that goes along with some of that is um, as it looks right now, but why they can't make a final decision before spring training, spring training starts, I don't know. No DH in the National League. Uh, something of importance, not only in ball games, but to the life and times of Nelson Cruz, among others, uh, among several others, as a matter of yeah, fact, that's, probably Cruz that was, more than anybody. That was kind of one of the more bizarre news things to happen in baseball, um, to find out that they still have not, really made a decision on the dh and 
um, it's looking like it might not happen for the National League, which would be so but, strange. Yeah. Seeing pitchers it, it, bat it's, again it's, is pointless. Again, again, negotiations. Well, of course, I'm an old guy and I love, I'm, I'm a pre-DH guy. I'm not a pro-DH, but that's an age thing. That That's just a generational difference that's going to exist forever or until we all die off. Um, but that, again, that, that's a bargaining thing because the owners say, well, we give you the DH in the National League, which is something the players would like. And the in an exchange, we want all these extra playoff games. We're going to make a joke of the regular season again, just like we did in 2020. And we'll have all these extra playoff games. We're, we, we'll share a little bit of the playoff money with you. We're, we're very, very nice. We'll give you just a little bit. We'll take the rest. Yeah. That's a big TV contract. So that's that's an internal argument. It's I mean, we're building up to, of course, the contract is up at the end of this season. It's going to be a long winter next winter. It's going to be um, a really long winter. And hopefully, hopefully we don't end up in another strike scenario. But I could easily see that happening because they just are butting heads at every turn on this stuff. And you know, a lot of guys, their their futures are really up in the air, kind of, with this lack of DH decision. You know, you've got Ozuna who's not signed, Nelson Cruz who isn't signed. Um, and these guys, you know, are looking at potentially half the teams that would have been interested uh, being able to, to bid on them to be a DH. And um, I, I don't really know what's going to happen with them, but I would be fuming mad if I was Nelson Cruz and, and Marcelo Ozuna sitting around wondering you know if you're gonna play for someone next year I mean obviously they are but your your money is is gonna drop by the day uh if this doesn't work out if it, if there fits not in the L sure you got twice as many suitors as and and those teams do not have a DH yet exactly I mean, they have somebody who filled in this past season but they don't have a real DH they haven't been setting up their teams that way. So that's a bigger market really for, for Cruz and Ozuna. Of course, Ozuna comes from a team Absolutely. that could use a DH if they're going to have one, if they could go back to Atlanta. Um, meanwhile, while we were, uh, we had some technical properties uh, problems. So we're actually recording this for, I don't know, the third or fourth time today. In between those times, uh, there was one move that MLB trade rumors came up with John Lester. Oh, unfortunately is not going to be pitching in the American League Central. I was really, really hoping yeah. he was an American League Central team. Because then our guys could hit about 850 off him. Uh, he's going to uh, Washington. Oh, okay. Um, you know, Lester is one of those guys where I've always just been surprised that he's somehow still kind of good every year. <laughs> and he hangs in there a year. I think maybe. he's a little, little younger than you, um, but not by much. <laughs> No, and, you know, if, if he goes there and, and pitches, you know, even decently that, that rotation obviously is pretty, <laughs> pretty insane to begin yeah. with, uh, with Strasburg and Scherzer and Corbin. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where Lester falls in, but I, I'm glad he's not joining us. Uh, the, um, one of the other sites, and I don't remember the name of it and I won't steal all the numbers or anything because I don't remember those either. But uh, did a study of, of the projections. They, they, they mashed the projections, all the available projections together for the White Sox starting pitchers. And they weren't good. They, uh, the one for 
I mean, Giolito, I think one projection is Giolito is the best pitcher in the American League. You put them all together and his ERA was over four. If there wasn't an ERA under four in the crowd. And then you got the number four pitcher. They had Cease, which I hope is like the number nine. Uh, but they have like a four, 4.9. Everybody was striking out almost everybody that came to the plate. But apparently those that didn't strike out, this is, of course, modern baseball. Yeah. Were hitting homers because they're striking out like 11 guys per nine and with an ERA of 4.85. <laughs> Uh, and not walking me until you got the season. I mean, that absolutely could be what happens. I mean, we could be sitting with five starters with ERAs around four. But they're uh, still they're still pitching to the American League Central, which is wonderful. Yeah, and it it's is not like they're facing major leaguers most of the time. Well, and and even better, it, it means our batters are facing the American League Central. Yeah. So you can have a, a starting ERA average around four if you're putting up six a game. I mean, that's that's how you win you you score more than the other guys so i'm not as concerned about a prediction that says uh that says those eras are going to be there um it's it's more important to me that that we're going to have an explosive offense and i personally think that you know giolito is not going to have an era around four i i think keiko will probably come in a little under that i think it is probably a comfortable spot for lance lynn um, potentially a spot for Kopech and potentially a spot for Cease. And honestly, if we get Lynn, Cease, and Kopech all throwing at four and we get Giolito throwing at three and Keiko throwing at three, we're going to be looking at a, a, a winning season. Uh, yeah, they actually, they actually, the, the, the composite had Lynn with the best um, numbers altogether of the, of the three big guys, the three, the one, two, three. I mean, those are all terrific pitchers. Uh, then, of course, a huge drop off when you got to uh, uh, Cease and then then uh, uh, Kopech. But the, the suggestion in that base was, well, they they need another starting pitcher. They need another starting pitcher. Well, there are a lot of starting pitchers still out there. Obviously, the Trevor Bauer is not coming to Chicago, but yeah. there are a number of decent ones. And an interesting one to me, and it's only interesting on how he does. Well, hold on. Let's let's hold there. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about uh, the starting pitching market. Uh, and I believe you have a, a little update on Rosario as well. Um, yes. And I'm sure you want to talk about backup catchers. Oh, my favorite topic. That's your thing. Um, all right. So we will be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line it's possible complex specialty care that cares about your roi it's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions that's wonder made possible learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder all right cool so when we went to that break uh we were going to talk about who is left in the starting pitching market um it is 
fairly bleak. Uh, we're not going to get Trevor Bauer. I'm almost certain of that. But what do you there, got? There, there are a lot of guys who are going to be number four or number five for somebody. And we're only looking for a number four or number five. So, there, so there, there are fits in there. One that's interesting because he's going to do throw, I think this week sometime, he's going to throw uh, a demo uh, who has, who could be something is Jake Arrieta. Oh, no, no, thanks. Nope. Hard pass. Hard That's a guy pass. who can actually pitch. Now he could actually pitch. I should say in the maybe. past tense. Yeah. Maybe he can pitch. I don't know. Chris Bryant. Right. I don't think you do anything until you watch him pitch. <laughs> uh, no, no interest. I'd rather just not have him. Um, <laughs> I know that's ridiculous, but he was one of my least favorite Cubs during that World Series run. He's so annoying. He's, he's you know, again, you shouldn't bring politics into this, but he's a, he's a right-wing nut, and I just have no interest in bringing him into the clubhouse. I, well, we got a manager in that category. He needs to talk to somebody. I don't want him to be able to talk to anybody. I want him to sit alone on his end of the dugout while Timmy and Eloy and Yon and Jose party on the other end. That's what I want. That's my goal. I, I don't want Arietta. Uh, thanks for bringing him up. He probably wasn't expected to come up in conversation on our podcast. So you're welcome, Jake. Uh, but this will be the last time. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Moving on, um, Bleacher Report did a little thing on Tuesday where they, where they said, well, here's what each team, one player that each team ought to get uh, by spring training. And the player that they named for the White Sox was a guy I've brought up several times. I wish they'd gotten instead of Adam Eaton. Guy dumped by Minnesota. I don't know why. Maybe there's just some big conflict there. Is Eddie Rosario. Not a great defender, but if he plays left field, a pretty decent defender, certainly far better than Aloy and much less likely to hurt himself or anybody else. And um, guy, you know, left-handed hitter, which we you have realize a real if, if they had If they hadn't extended the netting at the field, Aloy would be dead. I, uh, think, I think for four consecutive games, he flew into the netting somehow. <laughs> Well, maybe he knew it was there, you know, like a guy maybe, in the maybe. trapeze. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm actually, uh, I, I think Rosario won. He would be very cheap. So to to bring in a left-handed bat, I think, is a, a great idea, especially at the price point you'll have him. And, you know, it gives you the opportunity of making it a little easier to convince Eloy to, to DH. Um I would pick up Rosario. I, I actually think that's a good pickup. I agreed with you uh, back in the day when you floated this months ago. And um, I, I like that pickup a lot. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially for the price. I like it even more if it means we are then going to spend money uh, on, a, on another pitcher or, you know, even someone like Nelson Cruz just would be kind of a cool guy to have not destroying <laughs> us, but helping us. He turns 100 this year. Happy birthday, Nelson. And uh, I think he would be an asset as well. But I, I do like your your Rosario idea. And I, and I think he, uh, you know, Aloy at least could play left field against left-handed pitching. Sure. Uh, which we're not going to face a lot. People, I, I don't think teams, particularly early in the season, will switch the rotations around in order to avoid throwing lefties 
to the Sox. It may happen in yeah, September if there's any contention. But in May and June, April, May, June, they're going to throw what they throw because otherwise it just messes them up too much. Yeah, you have to. I mean, if you've got three, if you've got two lefties in your starting five, you can't just not throw them for a whole series or or two series in a row. You know, keep the rotation just the way the rotation is and be ready to take the guy out in the third inning if they have to, because they may have to. Yeah. Um, Where guys, I don't think they're going to want to feed it against lefties again, but they're going to crush lefties again. Yeah, I'd be I, I shocking if they don't crush lefties. They again. absolutely will crush lefties again. There's, there's no doubt about that. I, <laughs> I have full confidence in that. And uh, whatever we can do to get Eloy, you know, out of left field and and in the DH spot, whatever we can do to convince them. Now, of course, if we get Nelson Cruz, that all goes to hell. Yeah, that changes him. The Rosario's Nelson Cruz becomes immature. the DH, and Rosario's gone, yeah. and we have a stinky left fielder. Um, um, speaking of that, Ned, there was there was somebody, what may have been the athletic, that did a study on Aloy's defensive problems, which which as we all know are huge. I mean, that's not exactly news, but the the stats showed he is actually quick to the ball and his his speed getting to the ball once he starts is better than average. Is this? That's not surprising because he's not slow. He's a fat, pretty fast guy. Somewhat more surprising, his direction is good. He takes a good path to the ball. Where he falls down and is, other than, I don't like to use the word fall down with a lot because, no. He does fall down. <laughs> where, where, where he fails is getting started. He does not make the read. Well, you know, uh, the whenever you're growing up, you're playing high school baseball and you're you're playing in the outfield. Uh, coach always says the least important step is the first one. Uh, so, nope, they have never said that. It is <laughs> no, absolutely. I, so. I, was saying, I was a coach for a long time, but I don't remember ever saying it is to the opposite oh, in of direction, that. Any direction you want on that first step. <laughs> in fact, most coaches will tell you that's the far and away most important step you make so it is hugely problematic it could have he he might just not be seeing the ball off the bat very well um and i don't know if that's uh if that's an eyesight thing or if he just still has not adjusted to to how to move the the second contact is made um but it's you know it's not surprising to me at all that he has a bad first step but that first step is crucial. And if you're in left field, especially when those balls are slicing towards the line, uh, if, if your first step is forward and, and to the left instead of back and to your right, you are, you're in a world of hurt. And that is how you end up in the net uh, for four consecutive games. And, you know, it's, it's not just vision. And I don't read much about this, but just from coaching and, and being around players a lot, I know sound well even from when i played sound is very important uh if you read the sound right it can kind of tell you is that that's a line shot or that's a fly ball i mean we even if you're watching on tv and and they've got a mic down around there when you hear it you go oh, that's out of the park or yeah. well that's a shot well, and also a, a huge part of it is is knowing where the ball might go based on where Grandall is setting up you know, there's if someone hits a fly ball to you and Grandall is is set up on the outside corner, if it's a right-handed batter, 
ch- chances are it's not going to be hit really Chances are it's a ground ball to shortstop. <laughs> yeah. Or if they do get it in the air, it's going to be a, a bit more routine. And if, you know, Grandall sets up inside and the ball <laughs> pops off the bat, you know that you better start heading towards that line and very quickly. So it's also possible that he just is not quite uh, proficient yet at, at reading where the ball is likely going to go. I mean, I'm sure he has a lot of people trying to teach him and tell him that. Um, but I don't know. You know, he actually seems like he made a little progress, and and I'm hoping that, that he did so that he's not a liability when he's out there because, you know, even if he's just a couple ticks better, that is, that's going to be a big difference for our outfield overall. And keep in mind, you really only need him to play from his starting position to the line because Luis Robert can catch everything else. I mean, boys yep. should just have a rule that says your first step is always back into the right. Because <laughs> the ball is to your left. Just don't even go. Just let Luis take it. Um, if it's ahead of you, Tim will take care of it. <laughs> yeah. And if it's ahead of you, Tim will take care of it or, or Mankata. If it's, if it's <laughs> that far down the line, just let Yon take it. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll see, but uh, I mean, I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and, th- and think that he's going to come back a little stronger. You know, he is he is very young still. Yes, he is, but he's played. He's always played the outfield, which is the worrisome part. It's not like he moved back there from someplace and and has to learn it. He he's played at a high level. He played at you know Cuban ball at a high level. It's um, true, but there's still a big difference between reading the the ball off the bat of like Nelson Cruz and uh, the ball off the bat of. He doesn't have to read the ball off the bat of Nelson Cruz when Nelson Cruz is batting against us. All he has to do is turn around and see what row it went into. Yeah, so that's that's a good point. Um, huh. What else you got? Well, you you brought up Yasmani uh, Grandal, which is nice uh, and, and high uh, and all that kind of stuff. But that does bring up the fact that we have at the moment one catcher. And you really need to. Another one went off the boards this week, just uh, a couple of days ago. Wilson Ramos is, is gone. So the ones that are left, uh, Yadier Molina is not going to back up for anybody. So that's yeah. that's off the boards. So the cat, other cats are left. Alex Avila, who we've had, and who he's a little older than I am. Uh, man takes a walk nicely. But I'm gonna that, I'm gonna stop you right there and once again just let you know that Zach Collins is gonna be the backup catcher. I know, but I, I want to go through this just for fun. Then there's Robinson Chirino, Jeff Mathis. Uh, he's at was at five million last year, so that might be high. Matt Wieters is very good defensively. Uh, doesn't hit much of anything, but it has been at least historically strong uh, defensively. I don't think he had a great uh, 2020. And um, of course. Your friend and mine, Mr. Tyler Flowers, uh, is also still available. And I think probably will be when the season. But I think all these guys, maybe not obviously because he's really old. But uh, the rest of them, I think somebody will pick them up because there's always a need for for backup catchers. But there were maybe 20 of these guys at the start. Some of them pretty good and that went cheaply. Yeah. You know, $2 million contracts, minor league contracts. And and I don't I just don't I don't understand letting Zach Collins out there with a pitching staff this young. Even with the addition of Lance Lynn, it's a very young pitching staff. Overwhelmingly, you've got all those young guys, and 
I mean, you let out a guy. To be fair, though, to be fair, and I I am not a, a Zach Collins guy, you know this, but to be fair, he has not had a fair shake at all in Major League Baseball. He is still only around 130-something at bats for his entire Major League career. That's true. And so... And it's only 120 strikeouts, so, you know, it's it's fair. So it's a little little early to write him off. The defense is more of a concern for me, is is having him back there calling games for young pitchers. Um, But he is going to be working under Yasmani Grandal, who is one of the better catchers in all of baseball. And... I think there's a chance, some room to grow there. You would think he would have grown under Grandall and McCann. Uh, he did not really. But, you know, this this could be his first chance at getting a real shake in a, a full season. So I'm going to hold out hope. I, I think, you know, we've got him. We might as well. I'd rather we spend that money improving the rest of the lineup. Uh, but I do think, unfortunately for you, Zach Collins <laughs> Zach is Collins. a lock. The Tyler, the Tyler Flowers of 2021. But he's left-handed. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, before we go, I just want to say uh, about one of our recent acquisitions, Liam Hendricks. Uh, I read today that he and his wife are personally uh, buying lunch for uh, first responders and frontline workers in Bridgeport, uh, which I think is really cool. And uh, a great sign. Everything seems to point that Hendricks is a class act. Yeah. We kind of needed to pick up a class act this winter because we haven't done a lot of that. Nothing against Lance Lynn. I'm sure he's classy too, but they needed some balance for a couple of the other things. But yeah. I, I've got, I've got a Hendricks quote uh, that I'm using that I use for the um, crypto Soxery this week, which I'll have the answer to on Friday. Um, and it shows that he's a kind of modest, self-effacing guy. He's known to be almost an A.J. Brzezinski on the field, but but off the field, a decent guy who can make fun of himself and do the kinds of things you really like to see in your heroes. <laughs> he, yeah, he seems, I mean, he really just kind of seems like a, a that Australian guy. guy. Like just a regular Australian dude who's playing Major League Baseball. <laughs> Uh, but everything he's been doing since joining the Sox on social media or community outreach has been really promising. And when you sign a guy to a five-year deal like that, that we were all skeptical about, or four, four-year deal, four, four. Um, you know, it's, it's cool to see that he has sort of embraced his place in Chicago already. Um, I'm, I'm very high on him now. It's like you said, it almost appears in scheme. When you're playing against him, you're like, man, this guy's a jerk. He must be just the worst guy in real life. And then you get him on your team and you're like, ah, actually, I love him. I love having him. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm super pumped about Hendricks and, and what he's been doing so far. Um, you got anything else before we sign off? No, I, I did look at the odds makers, the, the Las Vegas stuff. The Sox are now with the total collapse of Cleveland and the Twins doing damn little they did a little bit this week and i even forget what it was but but they haven't done much um are now actually literally odds on favorites 10 to 11 11 bucks will get you 10 great Um, what a deal (laughs) uh, uh, yeah so it's not a big betting thing but that shows a, a lot of faith and of course they and the yankees are far and away the favorites between them to uh win the american league pennant 
Which Neither one's Richard given Wayne? much of a chance against the National League, but that's the way it goes. Well, yeah, I mean, the Padres and the Dodgers are something fierce. I mean, the Padres are just unbelievable. If Clevenger didn't have to have Tommy John, they would be the far and away favorites of uh, of this upcoming season. But I will say, and, um, you know, they've made some more moves recently. The Blue Jays should not be slept Jays, on. Yes, absolutely. The Blue uh, Jays have had sort of the best offseason, in my opinion, and – I mean, the Yankees are going to be really, really good, but I think the Blue Jays are going to be right behind them. And the White Sox have not maneuvered as well as the Blue Jays in the offseason. I would actually put the White Sox at, at, at third in the hierarchy of the American League right now. I think, I think what will help is being in the pitiful division we are and playing at the schedule such that we play the National League Central again, which is even more pitiful. Nobody wants yeah. to win over there. Nobody even cares about no. winning. No one's even trying. The division's the, up the for grabs. No one cares. Should end up, regardless of whether they're really the best team or not in the league, they should end up with the best record. Because the yeah. again, when they do that strength of schedule, watch us, they're going to be the weakest schedule. They were the weakest schedule this past year. The weakest schedule anybody ever heard of. <laughs> They are they are essentially playing a a non conference power five football schedule uh, to open the season um, more so like the schedules used to be now they play one good team but uh, we're we're going to be the equivalent of Ohio State playing Mississippi Valley Technical State Polytech University College which is where Jerry Rice went incidentally so don't scoff at it. <laughs> Well, he went to a real school. I believe the one I named was uh, his with a twist. Uh, but yeah, it's, it should be it should be a year of raking up some runs for this offense, and we'll see what happens. But I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, any final words? Goodbye. All Stay right. Uh, that's going to be it for this week. We will see you next time on Sharing Socks.